Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Two weeks in to this crowded table series, I wanted to kind of do a deeper dive into some of the very significant kind of theological and and strategic aspects of what we're talking about in the way that we understand family ministry. And so I've got Mike Krause here with me to kind of walk us through that. Mike, welcome back to this conversation. Thank you. How uh, how are things going in your world these days? Well, you know as well as anybody, it's summertime. That means pop-up trailer time. So we... Uh, we just got back from a little couple day getaway in Kilbear. And before that, we were in Killarney. So we've got, uh, we're still looking forward to Bonaco and Algonquin and Arrowhead. Um, we, we, we found a bumper sticker this last weekend that said, go outside and do something. So we slapped that on the back of the trailer. That's our motto from Victoria Day to Labor Day. So we're excited for the summer. And so when you ask the question, how's the summer shaping up for you? It's basically long weekend, press repeat. <laughs> that's 100% true. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, that's great. Um, want to dive in to really take a deeper dive into this series that we're, that we're in before we get into launching the It Takes a Village for the month of, of July. Um, fr- from your perspective... Why is this family ministry series that we've called Crowded Table so significant? Uh, I can I can sum it up in four words. Uh, it's the title of a book, actually, that our friend and elder, Joan Hyatt, recommended to Krista and me when we first became parents 15 years ago. Uh, and the title of the book is Kids Are Worth It. Because kids... Uh, our kids in our community, whether they're our kids or the kids of families that we love, they demand and deserve all of the attention and energy that we can pour into helping them become the fullness of what God has created them to be. And so for us to take some weeks and to think about what that looks like for a community, that matters huge. And how critical knowing what we're trying to talk about in this crowded table series, how, how critical do you feel it is for people to understand our leadership's values and approach to serving families and raising the next generation, valuing kids in the way that you're describing? I think it's, it's massive. I mean, anybody who has been a parent or, and a caregiver knows that that is hard. That's a hard job. That is often a lonely job. And I think for, for parents and caregivers and families to know that they have a whole community and a whole family ministry you know, itself organizing a whole community to stand with them and to stand by them, to help them, to equip them, um, to challenge them for you know, kind of a, a maximum level of intentionality investment, but to know that there is a whole community that's there in your corner uh, can be massively reassuring. And I think for those who aren't parents and caregivers to know that there is a massive opportunity for them to 
invest the best of their energy in loving God into the next generation is a is a huge thing for our community to wrap our heads around and engage in fully. Knowing that you know most churches really value kids and have programs for kids and you know want to come alongside and serve kids and serve your kids if you're a parent or, or caregiver. Um, I would say that the, the most critical aspect of our approach to family ministry is this idea that faith begins at home, that faith begins at home. From your perspective, where did this mindset even come from? Yeah, I, I love that this is our model because it is so counterintuitive or even, I guess even countercultural to so many of the other ways that we um, invest in our kids and the kids that we care about. Like if I want my kids to get an education, I take them to the school and I drop them off and I entrust them to the teacher to provide the thing that I can't. If I want my kids to learn ballet, I take them to the studio and I drop them off and the ballet instructor instructor teaches them and shows them what I can't. And, And so often the way we invest in our kids is by exposing them to other people who can fill in the gaps that we just can't fill in. But despite the fact that often kids ministry years and years ago was called Sunday school, and that was sort of the model, that's not how we've chosen to invest in kids and in families. We, we have instead said that the parents actually have the ability and are best situated to provide the things that their kids need the most when it comes to their spiritual development and understanding. We, we picked that up from, uh, from two places. A guy named Mark Holman, uh, who came to our church a number of years ago, wrote a book called uh, Faith Begins at Home. And this was his whole idea was kind of shifting from church-centered spiritual empowerment of kids to home-centered, church-assisted spiritual empowerment of kids. And then um, later on, we got connected to that same idea through North Point Church in Georgia, who who runs this ministry. Maybe people have heard us talk about the Orange Ministry. And the whole idea of Orange is that it's the combination of of yellow and red. So the yellow represents the, the light of Christ in the church, and the red represents the heart of Christ in the home. And when you bring the church and the home together, you know, you've created this unique uh, way or this uniquely powerful way of investing spiritually in kids, far more powerful than simply an hour on Sunday. Well, the interesting part, especially when you talk about Mark Holman, is that this wasn't just like suggestive or wouldn't it be fun or we should try new things or it was actually data driven. Yeah. That's what changed the perspective of, you know, let's just not treat this as a Sunday school or dance instruction or a sports team, you know, where we send them to the coach, but this actually kind of orients first things first at the home. Can you remind us of the statistics that Holman cites? Yeah, that was, it was remarkable because it, it is, like you said, it's not just a strategy we decided on as, as a church, you know, shift the responsibility back to the parents so that we aren't as responsible for the outcomes in the 
kids' lives. This was this was research that he did that demonstrated that in the spiritual development of kids, the number one and number two effective spiritual influences in the life of kids are the parents, of our mom and dad. Mom, you know, often being number one and and dad being number two, but whatever configuration of mom and dad is available to the kid or the primary caregiver, I suppose, whoever forms that most central parental caregiving role for the child just is statistically, scientifically, the largest spiritual influence in that kid's life. And then beneath Not that, because we said they were, no, they are. They just <laughs> are. That's just an acknowledgement of fact. And And after mom and dad, it was like grandparents and then relatives and then friends. And then it was down number seven on the list was the first time the church appeared in any way, shape or form. And it was the lead pastor of the church was the seventh most uh, influential source, presumably because it's in the the lead pastor's hands uh, to guide what kind of community the whole church is becoming. But the lead pastor was even at that point more um, influential in the spiritual development of the child than even the youth pastor or the children's ministry pastor or whatever. That the, what, what was demonstrated statistically, you know, scientifically, is that as important as, as kids ministry and youth ministry and junior youth ministry and all that, as important as all that stuff is, there are far greater spiritual influences in the lives of kids. And in order to maximize the kids, our kids' spiritual development, we have to invest in the biggest spiritual influences, which is why if my kids ever go off the rails, I'm going to blame you because you're our lead pastor. It's probably your fault um, more than it is mine. Well, and it, and it's super important. I mean, first things first, for those of us listening, to, to, to camp out just on that data and absorb the implications of it. Because if we come from uh, a dance instruction or a soccer development or even an educational mindset where we're going to drop off our kids, quote unquote, to the experts, statistically speaking, those quote unquote experts, you know, kids, pastors, youth pastors, whatever in our child development ministries, they only rank so high in their influence. Mm -hmm. And to, to assume that the primary way your kids are going to get developed are through such lower percentage influences is actually to reduce the impact you can have on your kids. Counterintuitively, to primarily focus on the primary influences is the way to maximize the influence yeah. and the impact on your kids. Yeah. And that's why we've chosen. It's not, we're not passing the buck or shirking our responsibility. We're actually leveraging the statistical responsibilities that the data has, has revealed. And so it, it brings us to probably a, a more important aspect than just the mindset. And that is, how we equip the home. So talk a little bit, Mike, about what we believe about how to equip the home as that primary influence. Yeah, I I mean, I would even respond to what you just said about, quote unquote, the experts a little bit differently and, and say the actual experts of who your kids will become spiritually are the parents and the caregivers. You're the experts 
at your spirituality. And like we said a couple Sundays ago, our kids, spirituality is something that is caught more than it's taught. And so they're going to catch from the parents the spirituality that the parents are experts in, you know, good, bad, and ugly, which is why now to your question, the the most important investment that we feel like we can make in the spiritual development of kids is to invest in parents and caregivers reflecting the image of Christ in their life to greater and greater degrees, or maybe take it back one step because Jesus says everything rises and falls on loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, and then letting that flow out of our lives as lives of love directed towards other people. The most important spiritual investment we can make is to walk with parents to fall more deeply in love with the God who's revealed in Jesus Christ so that the love of Christ fills their life and flows out of their life into every other area of their life, both directed uh, specifically at their kids and in ways that their kids see directed at the rest of their parents' interactions in the world, whether that's at work or, you know, at school or at the hockey arena or whatever, just seeing your kids loving God or seeing your parents and caregivers loving God so much that love flows out of their life in every single environment. That, I mean, I think that does two things. Number one, it makes clear to our kids what kind of God God is, that God is a God of love. I think the, probably the most significant thing that parents do um, in raising their kids is that they model or they represent what God is like to their kids, right? That A.W. Tozer said, decades ago, the most important thing about a person is what they think about when they think about God. And we get our thoughts about God from one place primarily, from drawing conclusions from mom and dad about what God might be like. And so to the degree that the conclusions that we draw from watching mom and dad's lives is that God very much does look like Jesus Christ, that's revolutionary and transformational for a child because a child will fall in love with that kind of God who is so obviously unconditionally in love with them. And the other thing it does is it models what a life, a Jesus-shaped life lived out in the rest of life looks like. So that the kid, as they as they grow up, as they catch from mom and dad and, and the caregiver, whoever, as they catch what that looks like, they grow into those very patterns themselves. And so let's press pause on this again, because I think, you know, philosophical move number one is just appreciating that faith begins at home. Philosophical move number two is to appreciate the best value we can add to the home is manifesting more Jesus in it. Absolutely. Not simply providing parents with tips and tricks on parenting. And I know for, for some of us listening, you know, we might be parents and might feel that, that while well, the faith begins at home and it's my responsibility, well, then I need tips and tricks. I, I need more resources and more advice and more, you know, parenting strategies and, and sermons on parenting to make me a better parent. 
Mike, talk about you know our response to the parent who wishes that we devoted more energy to that, to the discussion of parenting and parenting strategies, as opposed to just trying to make parents more like Jesus, more fruit of the spirit exuding, more beatitudes bearing, more privilege relinquishing, more welcome and inclusion fostering, more grace dispensing versions of Jesus. On Sunday morning, you mean? And for the rest of the week, yeah, just in general, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a question that comes up every once in a while for uh, sometimes a suggestion, sometimes says strongly as a criticism that we should talk about parenting more on Sundays because it's such an important issue. And and I 100% agree that it is a parenting is a critical conversation that ought to happen often. And my answer to the person who says, why don't we talk about parenting on Sunday mornings is to say we do every single Sunday morning. Every time we gather, everything that we hear and experience, and you know, in my case, everything that we that I say on a Sunday morning, with you know, four fingers pointing back at myself, everything that we talk about on Sunday mornings is intended to form us into the image of Christ, and therefore it becomes what we talk about proactively, what we talk about reactively, and what we model creatively. For our kids, whether that is um, the need, like we talked about in April, for example, the, the need for us to live in communities of diversity where we are decentering ourselves in order to center the voices that often get forgotten and ignored in our culture to learn from them and be shaped by them. I, I need that, you know, for my own life and discipleship. But I also need it because I need to be modeling it for my kids and I need to be helping my kids understand the importance of living in those sorts of relationship circles as well. If we're talking about, you know, the most recent Exodus series, the value of obedience as foundational to a relationship with God, living with God in an attitude of dependence, living with God in an attitude of trust, living... uh, living my life in allegiance with God and God's people to push back against evil in the world, um, living in a, in a robust community that forms who we become and how we live. Those are essential lessons for not just my relationship with God, but through my relationship with God for my kids to understand as well. And so the, in being formed in these ways, we are becoming like the person of Christ, which means that we are modeling and hopefully talking proactively and reactively with our kids about ways in which they can join us in that exact same um, journey of faith, of, of loving God and loving the world around us. When it comes to, I would just say quickly, when it comes to sp- tips and tricks about parenting, techniques to parent well, and so on. Those things are massively important, and they're far better learned and processed in community with with our family, if if you're in a marriage situation, with your spouse, your co-parent, with friends who are in similar stages or friends who are just in the next stage and can look back on how they parented through the stage that you're in, in life groups of all ages, 
because your grandparents, even if you have a multi-generational life group, maybe ideally if you have a multi-generational life group, you've got all sorts of perspectives on how to walk with your kids towards becoming more like Christ, loving God so that they can love people in the world. Um, it's kind of like, I, I've thought about the, um, the analogy to premarital counseling, right? That's a, those are essential. Those are critical conversations. They're just not best had in the Sunday morning environment. They're best had in community with others who are going through similar things and in conversation with a mentor who can help you think through what that looks like from down the road. Those are far more effective ways to, um, to talk about those sorts of skills when it comes to marriage and parenting, I think. Yeah, and that's and that's a great response to remind us that the, it, you know Sunday mornings and that primacy of attention probably isn't the best environment to even develop those skills and and uh, and those strategies. Uh, just to camp out a little further on the point you were making earlier, like I want parents to understand that the thing you need the most to be that primary influence is not skills and strategies. Yeah. It's a heart that exudes more of Jesus. We've seen, what we haven't talked about yet is we've, we've certainly seen and experienced being in the church as long as we have, Mike, the opposite of someone who's really fanatical and really well-versed and really sharp on the skills and strategies, but has a heart that just is harder to God mm-hmm. that's, you know, got its own, whether it's anger issues or impatience or ungraciousness or is gossipy or it, it just really obsessed with material things or whatever. Yeah. Consumeristic or exactly really, really restrictive of the fruit of the spirit. And that actually becomes a way more confusing message to a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, all these tips and tricks seem to matter, but my, my parent isn't really exuding much of Jesus. I don't know how to make sense of that. Absolutely. And so, you know, I hope the parents who are listening understand the heart behind why this matters so much to us as spiritual parents, because we actually see that by far the best investment we can make in your kids is in you. And the best investment we can make in you as parent or primary caregiver is to look and feel and exude more of Jesus. We believe that very deeply. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. So the comment you were making, though, Mike, about you know, resources and, and uh, you know, kind of the skills and strategy stuff, can you just whistle off again some of those resources that, that people can access? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they, they generally call, fall into more formal and informal categories. Like there, there are very specific things that family ministry directly provides, like uh, short-term life groups in parenting have been offered to the last a little while. And on Right Now Media, if you go to our website, you can click on Right Now Media, and there is a Southridge channel of videos. And uh, some of those videos are parenting curricula that have been selected by family ministry as being, as you know, other people have found particularly helpful. And those resources exist, never mind going to the you know Christian bookstore or online or whatever and finding some of those resources. And then I think the category we don't maybe take as much uh, advantage of is the informal category of the conversational 
learning that happens, the, what I was just talking about with, with family and friends and mentors and so on. The, the point is, I, I guess, to the person who says we should talk about this more on Sunday morning, part of my response would be, talk about it as much as you want. Grab as many resources as you possibly can, the ones that we offer and others, and do it, be in conversation with your friends and with mentors. There is no limit to the amount of investment a person can make in themselves as a parent and a caregiver in terms of learning to do it better. And we provide some and and some just uh, are available around and others are ones that you invent through your own conversations. But I, I wholeheartedly support people talking about this stuff nonstop because it matters. Yeah, just to sort of give a little bit of attention to the role that the church does play. I know this is what Carrie was talking about yesterday. Um, in addition to our family ministry creating an active partnership relationship with parents, you know, we're trying to expose kids and developing young adults to the lifestyle of full devotion in age-appropriate ways ourselves, in inspiration, in connection and action, and provide this, what we call crib-to-college curriculum of a, a student development plan from age zero to 18. Can you talk about that a little bit, knowing that as a teaching pastor, you've been involved in some of that conversation directly with our family ministry? Yeah, I mean, that's a conversation that uh, has been building and I would say is now um, full steam ahead in terms of developing a sense of, of clear direction for what our kids are going to be experiencing really from the time they enter into the nursery where there's, you know, a little less teaching and stuff that goes on in the nursery environment. It's more modeling the love of God just by holding those kids. But from the time that at about two and a half, when, when we really start with a structured formal type teaching environment in uh, little lights all the way through to essentially at 18, when whatever we hope or say about our kids, they really are at that point, fully formed and pretty much beyond our control. Um, we have, we're trying to put together this, or we are putting together this comprehensive guide for the kinds of things that we want to be talking about at every single stage along the way. Can you talk about some of the thinking around that, like even from your perspective as teaching pastor, what, what have you wanted to see, especially in the more developed years, junior high, and once we get into senior high, um, you know, some of the either topics or, or, or some of the, 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 the approaches to what we want to make sure is in that crib to college curriculum. Yeah, I mean, um, oftentimes the weakness of off-the-shelf um, teaching materials for kids in churches is that publishers are trying to sell materials to every single denomination, which means you cannot say anything even remotely controversial. You have to just steer towards the middle of the road, and they actually even leave topics unaddressed. The best you can do often is just tell stories from the Bible and hope that kids can draw moral life lessons and so on. And and because of that, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really get talked about that we are, especially as the kids get into riot and current in junior high and high school, we're trying to build into the conversations, conversations about what God is like, conversations about um, 
what the core theological commitments of a Christian faith really are. Um, conversations about what the fruit of the Spirit look like when lived out in the human life. Conversations about what an active spirituality, like how to read the Bible and how to pray and you know how to engage in spiritual practices that in a way that open you up to the presence of God, which is you know, in becoming ever more increasingly important to our church community as a whole. Never mind conversations that at Southridge we have found uh, to be really important for us. Conversations like what it means to love beyond belief, to prioritize love ahead of theological differences and those kinds of things. Stuff that, um, that we just want to make sure that we've had conversations we want to make sure that we've had with our kids in age-appropriate ways and depths so that as we launch them from high school into adult life, not only have they had the opportunity to think about uh, a faith from a broad perspective of ways, like a broad spectrum of ways, so that when they get to university and they hear people talk about evolution or whatever, like those things aren't surprising and shocking. We've had those conversations already in high school. And so that as they leave uh, high school and head off into adulthood, they model the life of Christ the way we talk about it as a community, both uh, in terms of personal character, fruit of the spirit, but also in the way that they live it out in in inspiration-oriented ways, you know, connection and community-oriented ways, and social justice and action-oriented ways, what, what we believe is a fully-orbed discipleship. We want to build all of that into our kids before they are ready to launch. And if you're listening as a parent and want to know more about this, I would say, you know, talk with Carrie Jones, our family ministry pastor, reach out to Jay Bowie or Keith Kyer, our uh, children's ministry and, and student ministry pastors, and and spark up some conversation around this, because this is exactly the way that we want to come alongside and partner with a parent in the you can do it, we can help uh, kind of Home Depot model. Uh, I think discussing this, discussing what stage your kid is at and some of those conversations that we're trying to drive programmatically that you can supplement at home uh, only makes this a stronger relationship. The big idea though, I, I hope you've, you've tracked with today is that we're actually more committed to raising parents into the image of Jesus than raising the next generation because raising parents into the image of Jesus is the greatest gift that we can give to the raising of the next generation. And I hope that, that that philosophy, that approach has kind of embedded in people's hearts uh, a little more strongly to this in, in this conversation. Uh, Mike, as we wrap up, any final thoughts or encouragements uh, when you think of what it would take for parents to embrace the uniqueness of this approach? I think what you just said is the thing. That's the red circle bullseye. And, and I would summarize it like this. Conversation is key. Conversation is key. So even, I mean, just to thinking about the crib to college curriculum, whatever, I know that in our community, there are people who, and, and I hope this is true and assume this is true, there are people who don't track fully with everything that I individually believe about every single topic. 
And so conversation is key. Conversation with the church to find out what it is that your kids are learning. And, and by the way, our goal is never to indoctrinate your kids into you know, my or our particular way. Our goal is to show, to both teach and to model what we believe uh, the Bible teaches about what it looks like to follow Jesus. So be in conversation with us so that you can know what they're hearing and experiencing and be in conversation with them to debrief what they're hearing, to flesh it out as a, as a family together so that you can be the primary spiritual influence in the life of your kids, even as they track alongside with the programs, but do it open-mindedly and open-heartedly so that in your conversations with us and in your conversations with your kids, you're not just talking and saying, this is what I think ought to be taught and believed and followed and whatever, but that you are sharing and listening to where we as a church are at. And as you debrief with your kids, you are sharing and listening to where your kids are at. Because I'm going to tell you, your kids are going to be a critical way to how you develop. They're going to be a critical spiritual influence in your own spiritual journey as well. If you can learn to enter into open-minded, open-hearted dialogue with the church and with your kids. And if we all keep talking, I think we can raise another generation of pretty spectacular Christ-following kids. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing with us today, Mike. And thanks uh, to all of you for joining in and tracking again this week. We're excited for uh, a final Sunday coming up as we uh, wrap this Crowded Table series up. And uh, in the meantime, just appreciate all of us as this extended village raising uh, our families and raising this spiritual family together uh, as we're on this journey of finding our way uh, as a church community. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, everyone. Take care.